Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And this is the dump your marriage episode. Why? Because it's not freaking working, right? You wouldn't even have turned this on if it was. Why would I tell you to dump your marriage? I'm not telling you to get rid of the relationship. I'm not even telling you to end the marriage. I'm telling you it's already gone. And let me explain what I mean by that. Relationships basically have, oh, let's call them five levels. There's conflict, which is probably where you are now. Or there's coping, which means maybe you're avoiding the conflict and things are just kind of bumbling along. Then there's cooperation, right? The next level is cooperation. That's where you're not coping and you're resolving conflict together in cooperation. But maybe you're doing it individually for your individual interest. Maybe there's a lot of compromise going on. You're not completely happy with the results, but at least you're not back there in coping or in like World War III. Then the next level of cooperation is synergy. And that's where you start solving problems together, where you bring your unique strengths as individuals and the synergy that comes out of your relationship as a couple up to the front burner. That's when things really start crackalacking. That's when the relation gets really juicy. You find that maybe you actually can love this person that you weren't so sure about before. You find that things are now working in a way that they haven't worked for quite a while, so much so that you go to the fifth level, which is we're going to call soulmates. And I want to be really clear, soulmates is not some mythical, oh my God, we were made for each other thing. Soulmates is where we make ourselves for each other is probably a better way. We choose our soulmates. We choose our soulmates. They're not made for us. That's what soulmates is about. So maybe you're in conflict or coping, or maybe you're even in cooperation. You're wondering, man, Soulmate sounds good. How do I get there from here? And that is a totally valid question. And the way that you get it is blow up your marriage because it's already dead, right? If you're in conflict or coping, you're already in, pardon my French, shitland. And the question is, how much longer do you want to be in shitland? And as someone who's been in shitland in two marriages, right? In my current marriage, even, we had some time in shitland together. And basically, our response to shitland was coping. What that meant was we just didn't fight much. We avoided it. We pursued our individual pursuits. We had kind of a parallel lives experience until one of us woke up one day and said, man, this is painful, and started changing it. But we didn't, that person didn't change the relationship. You know, what happened there was that person figured out that they are causal. So let's talk about how we get there from here. Conflict, the conflict stage, you know well. Conflict is uh, where you're going to win and so are they. And the problem with the conflict stage is it's wrapped up in I'm going to win, you're going to lose. And what happens is you can get into conflict about just about anything when you're in the conflict phase. When you're coming from the place of I'm going to win, you're going to lose. That means that if you happen to change your mind about you're going to win and lose, maybe you have a moment of, oh, my God, I really have some responsibility there. And you say to them, you know what? You're right. I did do that. I'm sorry. If they're still in conflict mode, they're going to say, damn right, you're sorry. And let me tell you the other 52 things you did wrong. They will keep pounding on you. And then you'll go, why did I ever own that mistake? 
right? That is the essence of the conflict stage. And when you're in that phase, you can fight about who put things away or didn't put things in the way in the refrigerator. You can fight about who left the cap off the toothpaste. You can fight about is the toilet seat up or is it down? Now, mind you, some of you might be having these fights in jest now. You might be in a cooperation stage and looking back and laughing about those conflicts. But for some of us, that can be very real, those fights that, and for the children, it is a disaster, the conflict stage. I mean, all they see is mom and dad fighting no matter what. I will tell you as a child who grew up in that kind of environment, the best times in my house were when mom and dad were not home. Uh, yeah, it was a little lonely at times, but it was quiet. It was like, oh, thank God, it's peaceful. And uh, when they were home, it was scary. If one of them home, it was not great because they weren't in a great mood. Like when parents are in the conflict phase, they are sort of walking around in anger all the time. When you're in the conflict phase, the conflict phase is uh, also can be when you're getting divorced. When people are divorcing, they can be very much in the conflict phase. And the problem with being in divorce and in the conflict phase is theoretically, you're in separate domiciles, you're living separate lives, but emotionally, you might as well still be married because you're acting like it. Emotionally, you're still fighting over the small stuff instead of working things out. Emotionally, you still want to win at their expense. And so this applies not only to people who are married, but it applies to people who are already divorced and who are parents together who just can't seem to get along. The conflict stage is one in which it's about me. I'm going to win. And it's not about the other person. And so you can, you know that you're in the conflict stage. You're going to have thoughts like this. If I give in, I'll be a carpet. <laughs> or if I give in, this will never change. The only way this will change is if I change them. The only way this will change is if I win. The only way this will change is if I get them to concede that they're wrong. The only way this will change is if they change. Those are all conflict thoughts. Conflict is driven by blame, by a need to control others. And not only will you find yourself behaving that way to the mother or father of your children, whether you're living with them or not, you will find that you start raising your children that way also. You will be punishing your children or bribing them instead of developing a relationship with them. There's a whole movement called peaceful parenting that's all about ending that conflict with your children. Well, when you're in conflict with your significant other, it's very hard to be a peaceful parent because you're triggered a good deal of the time. Okay, so maybe you've gone to coping. Coping might be, you might be conflict avoidant when you're coping. Uh, with, what that would mean is that you're leading parallel lives, your roommates, you've decided not to fight anymore. You've decided to give up on them. You've realized that they won't change and you can't change them. And you've decided to focus on having the most pleasurable life you can. But there is still a lack of ownership, right? So when you're in the coping stage, that is characterized by this is all messed up because of them. I can't change them. I can only do the best that I can for me and for the kids. And so coping still is loaded with blame. Uh, it's just less hostile. It actually might be feel a little more victim-y in some ways, but there is the acceptance at least that 
we don't change other people. We influence them by our behavior, but we don't change them. And so what happens when people are coping, that's when you get people who are having a high level of gray divorce. These are people who are waiting for their children to grow up before they get divorced because they think when they're adults, it'll be better for them. But by the way, the statistics, the studies show that children of divorce are actually, they're less resilient the older they get. So the older your child gets, the worse they handle the divorce. Uh, and of course, that is also influenced by how you treat them in the divorce, whether you're putting them in the middle or uh, I mean, in between you and the other parent or whether you're um, using them, weaponizing them or whether you're keeping their well-being on the front burner. Those factors are also going to influence the divorce. But we're talking about coping here. And so coping is I'm going to make sure that the bills are paid, that there's food on the table, that I have clothes, that I am fulfilled at my work. Coping might be I'm going to have an affair with someone else. Uh, it certainly is going to be that I'm going to have emotional intimacy with someone else since I'm not getting it at home. It, it could be many things, but it's not going to be working with the other parent, whether you're apart or together. Uh, and coping in the divorce setting uh, it actually is not that unusual. That's We tend to call that parallel parenting uh, when people get divorced and they parent with separate values and separate beliefs and separate platforms. Uh, and that, actually, in some instances in divorce, it's unavoidable. But if you're still married, you have the opportunity to work at it. All right. So let's talk about the cooperation level. And the cooperation level is where you're actually compromising. It may be minimal. It might be that you see that the well-being of the children is best and most important, and so you're willing to compromise for them. But you still feel that the relationship itself is not at what it, as robust as it could be because there's something not right with the other person. There's something not right with the way that they're behaving. There's something not right. Maybe you think that you're incompatible. This is where thoughts about compatibility start to slip in. Or maybe you think, oh, the love just might be lost. And truthfully, only you know the answers to those questions for sure. But let's talk about compatibility for a second. Compatibility, what does it mean to be compatible? Very often we think it's like uh, two puzzle pieces that are made for each other. It goes back to the soul, soulmates concept, right? Soulmates are two, two puzzle pieces that fit perfectly together. Uh, well, and compatibility would be if on a scale of one to 10 soulmates is we fit perfectly together. And one would be, there's no fit here at all. And in between would be, there's a little fit here. There's some good fit here and there. Oh, there's a pretty good fit here. Oh, there's an excellent fit. All right. So what I'm here to tell you is that even though we all are uniquely created and made, when it comes to relationships, we decide how compatible we truly are. And we decide that by creating ways that the pieces can fit together. And the truth is that if you marry someone and had children with them, something had to fit together there, right? I mean, come on, you at least had some physical sex going on because you have the children and you can either increase compatibility or diminish compatibility, it's your choice. 
And it's not their choice, by the way. It's your choice. Yes, their choices impact that, but you get to decide how much you're going to cooperate. And so compatibility and cooperation can very much be kind of like uh, at this stage, you're not, the conflicts are not happening as often, or maybe not as intensely. Maybe the conflict is, you're resolving conflicts in a kind of uncomfortable way. Oh, okay, I will give you this if you'll give me that. I, I heard a story once about a couple. Um, one guy really liked architecture and his wife really liked to, to uh, have new experiences. And so they went to Italy, to Florence and rented, um, what do they call those, una, una, those two-wheel bikes uh, that you drive around on. That So, you know, she got the adventure and then they would look at the architecture together. And so they, they, they figured out, they figured out ways to cooperate so that both their interests were met through, through this activity. It wasn't perfect, but it was cooperative. And what was, and actually what it was also was it helped them to have greater compatibility. They took two different interests and combined them in one compatible activity. So in the cooperation phase, we're looking at, all right, how can I make it work? What am I willing to give up to make it work? The guy who likes architecture, he doesn't get to see everything he wants. Maybe he doesn't get to go inside the building much. Uh, the woman who likes adventure and wants to try something new, maybe she doesn't get to zip around as much through the, through the streets of Florence as fast as she'd like to. Maybe she needs to go into a building every now and then, but they have compromised their individual interests enough so that it becomes a shared activity and thus cooperation is born. So neither is necessarily 100% fulfilled, but they're a lot more fulfilled than if they said, that jerk, he wants to look at buildings today, that biatch, she just wants to ride around on unicycles or whatever the hell the things are called all day, right? You get the idea. But what comes out of that cooperation, that's when we start to build into synergy. That's when we, when we learn to work together and compromise in like less than perfect ways, that's when we start to find how we can combine our talents and skills together to have synergy. Right? So it's the dialogue of cooperation that builds up to the experience of synergy. And synergy is where a situation comes up and because you know, as partners, you know each other's interests, strengths, weaknesses, and what you do best together, the husband says, I'm going to, a crisis comes up with a child. The husband says, I know, I'm going to help them with this part. And the wife says, I know, I'm going to help them with that part. And then they, together, we can do this because we do this really well together. And if something's even missing, they might call in someone else to help. Oh, let's call grandpa or grandma or her best friend or his best friend or, the, or their siblings to help out. Synergy is where they, they search together. They see the big picture and they see where they fit in the big picture and what might be missing that can be filled by others. That's what, and synergy is now there creating something really huge. Instead of, I've got to get my need fulfilled. I've got to get my need fulfilled. Let's figure a way that we can get our needs fulfilled. It's more like, oh, let's see how we can create something new. That's synergy. Synergy is creating something new. And when a couple 
is living in that space of co-creation. Co-creation, by the way, it isn't just like they're creating together all the time. They're having, still having the experience of individual development and growth. They're having also the, develop, the uh, development of their relationship growth, right? Through cooperation, they've come to relationship growth. Through, through synergy, their relationship growth is exploding. When that happens, that opens the door for what we're calling here soulmates, all right? Soulmates, and by the way, I want to give credit to the Relationship Handbook. If you haven't read the book, read the Relationship Handbook for these five levels. So, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm putting my own spin on it. This isn't how they write. This isn't how they write it. This is my spin on this. Soulmates is where you appreciate each other's strengths, appreciate the synergy, appreciate the growth together, where you have created so many areas of overlap, so many areas of cooperation, so many areas of compatibility you've that you now experience the relationship as amazing as the one and isn't that what we all want after all we all want to have the soulmate experience but just get that soulmates isn't when you walk up to someone and say soulmates that's that's it could be that you could you could be deciding that you're going to be soulmates but get that soulmates isn't some magical thing well it is magical it's a magical experience right? When you have the experience of soulmates, it's a magical experience, like nothing you've ever had. But it's what's magical about it is the immense pleasure and accomplishment and um, harmony that can happen when you create overlap of values, intentions, vision, abilities, innate uh, strengths, when you create enough compatibility there and experience synergy and your relationship explodes, it's amazing. It feels magical, but it's not magical either. It's the result of, of work. Not like, oh, I'm working, but like working at something and seeing positive results. Working, work, it might be work like I hate cleaning the toilets, but I like a clean toilet. Or it might be work like I hate making my bed, but I like to have a made bed. It might be work like that. Um, it might also be work like I have a passion for working with people. And every time I sit down with people, it's fun for me. It could be also like that. It could be all of that rolled in together. Soulmates is where you're having that experience of fulfillment in your relationship. So remember when we started out? blow up your relationship you blow up your relationship because it's not working you blow up really what when i say blow up your relationship i'm saying blow up your concept of your relationship if you're not sure if you're in the right marriage or in the right relationship you're not does it mean you could be yes does it mean you could be with that person yes but the starting point uh -huh, is to get that you are causal. I am causal. We are causal. Even though we can't change the other person, even though we have, can only influence them, we are causal in the relationship, working or not. And once we get our stuff lined up and move away from the blame and anger and start moving towards knowing what makes their world work and seeing how we can work together and looking for ways to lean into their strengths and looking for ways to lean into their interests and looking for what makes 
their bell ring and looking for what makes their clock tick or whatever metaphor you want. When you start looking into that stuff and looking for how can we do this, have their bell ring and my bell ring at the same time, that's the beginning, right? That's when you're moving from coping to cooperation. And if you're in the conflict stage and you just can't stop fighting, same idea. It's like, you've got to be ready to drop the weapons and start going to coping. And you, by the way, it's, you can't move from conflict to soulmates overnight, but you can move from conflict to soulmates very fast if you are willing to own it and you are willing to do the work. And a result might be that you find that you get to the cooperation stage and there is no synergy. You might find that, you know what, or you might find that they don't want to stop coping. You're trying to cooperate, but they just won't do it. And that might mean it's time to go start over with someone else. But first, you got to start over with who you have before you throw out years of work, before you throw out years of what did work, before you dump all that. What if you could throw out what's not working and keep what is working? What if you could build on that? And that's what I want you. That's the seed I'm planting here. What if you could still have soulmates with this person? Maybe I should rename the episode. Why not soulmates? As usual, you can reach me at rich at richinrelationship.com. Comment, follow, like, all that good stuff, and have a blessed day.